On episode 244 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn the most common mistakes that 3-0 to 4-5 doubles players make. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. If you feel like you watch too many poachable balls whiz by you and you're like, ugh, I should have poached on that one, then you should check out the doubles playbook because inside there are 48 plays from Martina Navratilova and the Bryan brothers that show you how to set up easy put-away volleys and overheads. If you look at other sports, teams run plays. Football teams run plays to score touchdowns, soccer teams run plays to score goals, and basketball teams run plays to score baskets. When it comes to your doubles game, you can run plays to set up easy put-away volleys and overheads. If you go to tennisfalls.com slash doublesplaybook, Martina Navratilova will personally show you one of her all-time favorite plays called The Prognosticator so you can see if the doubles playbook is right for you. I've used many of the plays from the doubles playbook in my doubles matches and think you should definitely take a look at it if you want to improve your doubles game. Just go to tennisfalls.com slash doublesplaybook to check it out. That's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S dot com slash doubles playbook to check it out right now. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Welcome back, or welcome if this is the first time that you're listening to the podcast. I'm really glad that you're here with me for this episode. And today I'm going to talk about the most common mistakes that 3-0 to 4-5 doubles players make. I have been playing a lot of doubles matches this year. I've been playing 9-0 mixed predominantly with a 4-0 partner in three different mixed doubles leagues and then uh, 9-5 men's combo doubles matches, as well as even an 8-5 uh, men's combo doubles with a 3-5 friend of mine. So uh, I've been doing pretty well, actually. My record is 15-7 and seven this year, and uh, I'm going to be starting 5-0 men's league soon, which uh, I, you know, I will see. I probably will play mostly doubles, but I'll hopefully play some singles as well, because I love singles. But uh, I want to talk to you about what I've observed during all of these doubles matches, as well as, you know, in my experience and in talking with a lot of the best coaches in the world. One quick plug, though, I am preparing very intensely for the Tennis Summit, the sixth one. Uh, the first one was back in 2017. Back then, I think uh, 3,000 people attended, which was fantastic. And over the years, we've reached peak of about 14,000 um, so that has been incredible to see the summit grow like that. So we're hoping to break that record this year. So I'll have a lot more information about that and just go to tennisfiles.com and sign up for my newsletter if you haven't signed up yet. And also, uh, you can go to tennisfilesummit.com. The new uh, summit will be up a few days after this, at least the registration page. So definitely look out for that. I think by April 1st, you'll see the registration page uh, live for this year's summit. So, but um, with that, let's go straight into the most common mistakes that 3 to 4-5 doubles players make. And I have five of them for you. So I'm going to go through them 
and hopefully they're going to provide a lot of value for you. The first one that I noticed with a lot of players is that my opponents have had weak backhand volleys. So if you're going to go to one side or the other, obviously, you know, spacing that's prevalent in the court for you to go to. I mean, if it's on the forehand side, um, you know, if it's obviously open, just go for it. But if you have to hit to one side, I would choose the backhand volley. They're usually weaker and specifically the high backhand volley. I find that a lot of players have trouble with that. And interestingly enough, I watched a very uh, excellent video on uh, volley grips from my friend Ryan Reedy from Two Minute Tennis. And he said that, you know, a lot of players, they, you know, they use the continental grip for both the forehand and backhand volley. But then a lot of times, especially on the backhand side, that results in a weaker backhand volley because the racket face isn't quite squared up. And so, um, you know, you do want to try if you're having that issue to fiddle with your grip a bit and rotate it to, to try to square your racket up a little better with the ball. It's it's totally okay to not have a, a pure continental for both your forehand and your back. And in fact, Ryan mentioned that you can rotate your grip, you know, one way for the forehand volley and then the other way for the backhand volley. I guess if you're a righty, you'd rotate a bit to the right. Uh, of the continental grip and then for the backhand volley a bit to the left. But anyways, I have found this out because um, just for instance, um, my previous match, I played a 9-5 match against a 5-0 and a 4-5 player. They're very, very good players, but I think it was two or three points in a row that I or my partner just cracked um, you know, a big uh, shot at the net player who was the 4-5 and he you know, hit those volleys all out. And, you know, I can remember this countless times, just um, players uh, having their backhand volley as the weakness. So, again, you know, um, I would definitely try that as a strategy against your opponents. Um, obviously, you know, not every single opponent is going to have a weaker backhand volley, but that's, that's my observation, and I think you should definitely test it out. This next one was super interesting to me. This also came from my, our previous match, and, and so my friend uh, and partner Derek and I we ended up winning um, 6-4, 6-1. It was great. And this was really <laughs> funny to me, actually. And it just, it helped me hit amazing returns. And it may not be what you think, right? So I started paying attention to the signals that between the server and the net partner. So, you know, 4-5 and above, and hopefully, you know, below as well, but much less so, the net partner will give the server signals on first where to hit the serve, and then second, if the person's going to poach or stay, okay? And I, what I noticed uh, was that, and, you know, I wonder if my opponents are listening to this. I know at least one of them has listened to the podcast before, um, but I noticed that if the server said yes to the net partner's signal for the serve location the first time, then the serve went to my backhand. However, if the serve uh, said no to the first signal and then said yes to the second signal, the serve would go out wide to my forehand. And so I was playing the, on the deuce side for reference and I'm a righty. So again, you know, um, net partner gives a signal, server says yes. Then I was able to immediately say, okay, this is going to the backhand. So I would split and then I'd be able to just go, go to the left without hesitation. And I noticed this in one of the, my opponents, the 4-5 player actually, in, in his, uh, I think about his third service game. And so I started anticipating correctly each time. So I was just able to crack my returns. I remember, you know, several of them just 
moving forward, split stepping, and then moving forward to the backhand and just swinging with authority. And you know the server just couldn't do anything and just missed the uh, the shot off my return, or just the same thing. You know, um, you know, moving up, split stepping, then going diagonally to the right for the slice serve uh, and cracking that that forehand, which is you know my favorite thing to crack there uh, to hit hard. I know I keep saying crack, but anyway, I'm not um, suggesting anything here. But um, that was a big key to breaking my opponent's serve and just having, I think, you know, I don't know that this person lost confidence necessarily, but um, getting in their head. And in fact, this did happen because on a changeover, that same opponent, the server, asked me if I was able to telegraph his serves. And then I said, oh, you know, I think I'm just taking some lucky guesses here and just and just trying to guess as to where you're serving and I'm being right. And then to which he correctly replied that it sounded like BS. <laughs> and he was definitely correct. So I didn't divulge that like, oh, hey, bro, I know you're, you know, what you guys are calling, but obviously not, you know, you got to keep those to yourself. But, you know, maybe him and his partner will find out by listening to the show. Who knows? We do have a lot of listeners, a humble brag. <laughs> but anyways, and the thing here is, and you might do this too. And and I remember one of my, you know, one of my best friends, Victor, also mentioning this previously in a block time practice of mine. A lot of players will fall in the pattern of just, you know, just calling the same signals every single time in order, right? So for instance, you know, uh, if I'm the net player, like every single time I'm just calling backhand signal first. If I get a no, then I'll call forehand. And then if I get a no, I'll call body. So I would, first of all, highly encourage you to pay attention to this like I did, because uh, it helped me so much. <laughs> and secondly, if, you know, if you're the net player, to just call different signs as well, mixing it up, you know? So um, if you're the net player, your first signal sometimes is slice out wide, but then other times to that same player who's returning, it's you call body first or you call backhand first. So then they can't always guess correctly. And then sometimes if they try to guess, you know, they'll, your, your partner will ace them hopefully. Um, so yeah, mix it up there, but the tells, the, um, the tells that, that are dead giveaway. And, you know, I do wonder if this is the case ever in, on the pro tour, but you know, this also could be why a lot of times they communicate first, you know, or maybe they just talk to each other and tell each other the play. That's another solution is you just talk to your partner and say what you're going to do. Um, although I do like to then give the signals for reassurance because there's been a couple of times where we've chatted and then, you know, we've mixed it up for whatever reason. But um, anyways, I hope that you enjoyed that one. I thought that was a fun one to observe and to let you know about. Uh, the third most common mistake for 3-0 uh, to 4-5 doubles players is that they're unable to handle dippers for volleys. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's unfair to say it's a mistake. It's more just like a weakness. But, you know, they just don't have the net skills of the, you know, the ball tracking and the technique required to handle uh, dipping ground strokes while they're at the net. Uh, in my 9-0 mixed doubles match, I was doing this a lot this past weekend. I actually had the 9-0 mixed doubles match and then an hour later, the 9-5 doubles match. And that, you know, those both went really well. I won two and three for the mixed 9-0 and then uh, four and one, like I said, for the 9-5 uh, men's doubles. So. You know, the majority of players, um, especially in this match that I played there in the 9-0 mixed, will either miss this shot or they'll pop the ball up, especially if you put a lot of spin on your dipping shots. 
both players that I played were had a pretty classical style in terms of hitting flat ground strokes and coming to net, and they had a hard time handling spin. So I was able to, you know, hit these heavy dipping balls to where they would either miss it um, a quite a bit, a uh, fair bit of the time, or they would just pop it up for my partner to hit or for myself to just hit a forehand. Um, so I would definitely practice the skill of hitting low dipping ground strokes against your opponents, um, especially if you play a lot of doubles, because it's really going to help you seize back control in rallies when your opponents are at the net. You know, it's just a really tough shot in general. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not easy for me either. It takes a lot of concentration and, you know, discipline with your your technique, um, especially if you don't do it all the time in order to to make these shots. So that is the third one. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The fourth uh, most common mistake that I see that's a huge one is that the players do not incorporate enough poaching, eye formation, or Australian, uh, especially at 3-0, 3-5, and 4-0-2. And then 4-5, you know, I, you know, you start to see it more. But, you know, disrupting the rhythm of your opponents and having them wonder where they should hit their shots is a hugely important advantage. But most doubles players display the standard formation, you know, one up at the net, one back, and just no no crossing, no nothing. And they don't take advantage of the different formations uh, that I mentioned, like I-formation, Australian, also regular poaching, and fake poaching as well. Um, and so here are a few ways that I use these plays to my advantage. I mean, for the poach, obviously, I use this against players that tend to hit cross-court on the return most of the time. And, you know, by poaching, I cause a lot of pressure to be put on the opponent at the baseline or the returner, you know, whoever, when they're engaged in a cross-court rally with my partner. Um, And this makes their cross-court window smaller. And it can also create errors when the opponents try to go down the line when they're wary of you crossing. Or obviously, you're going to be able to pick up, uh, pick off their cross-court shots or their cross-court return. And then uh, also, I love using this on big points when I know the opponent is going to play conservatively and hit cross court. I mean, I remember telling the story about, um, I think, in in a 9-5 men's combo, uh, I think it might have been a a while ago now, actually. But, you know, I poached on both points at at 8-7 and 9-7 because I, you know, in these crunch time situations, a lot of times uh, players, especially if they're conservative, they're not going to go for a down the line you know winner because you know first off they're going to feel like it's not a percentage play and then second off like you know it'll be i mean correlates but you know it'll be like a big 
big waste or they'll feel bad if they went for this huge shot at a, such a tense time. So at that, you know, in that match at 8-7 and 9-7, I just poached and I picked off both returns. So, you know, unless they're, you know, at a high level and they're able to hit a really good cross-court return, chances are you'll be able to pick it off. At least if, you know, it's if it's off a first serve or even sometimes a second serve if you have good hands. And then the fake poach, I love using this, especially if the players know that I tend to poach, then I try to sell that I'm going to poach by moving early to the opposite side, um, just briefly, obviously, and then I'll move back to my starting position to try and hopefully get an easy volley. So that's the fake poach for you. And then, at least for me, and then with the Australian formation, I love using this to allow myself or my partner to hit forehands on the ad court. Um, and the same can be done for a lefty in the deuce court. Uh, and, and just to um, you know, explain this one with Australian, it's that basically, like, if, say if I'm serving to the ad side, my net partner, instead of in being in the normal position in the ad court, my partner will also be... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. If my instead of my net partner being in the normal position in the deuce court, they will be on the same side as me. They'll also be on that ad side. And then once I serve it, I go to the deuce side. So and that's that way I get to hit a forehand. So I've seen some players who have weak backhands do this, but I mean, even if you have a, a good backhand, I mean it's it's fantastic if you have a strong forehand to do this so that you just serve your, your net partner stays on that same side as you and you go to the, to that other side and hit forehands. Um, and then also, you know, this, what this also does is it allows you to take away an opponent's cross court return. So if they're, if they have a really good cross court return, whether that's the backhand cross court, um, serving to the ad side or, whatever, you know, whatever return that they have that's cross court, that's, that they're hitting well. If you all of a sudden just put your net partner, you know, in that, in the same side as you, then the opponent's not going to be able to return cross court unless they want to just crack it at your partner and, and see what they do. And then you can even, you know, make it more level them, so to speak, and then have your partner, you know, after you do a few Australians, maybe you have your partner actually poach from the Australian position and then you stay on your side. So that could be interesting. And then with the eye formation, that's where both you and your partner are at the center hash. But obviously, you know, as you serving, you're on the baseline center hash and then your, your net partner is at the net in the center crouching down. And then your net partner will signal to you or you can talk beforehand um, either or, or you can do both. And then your your net partner, or you'll de- you'll both decide which way the net partner will go, which way you'll go, and which way you're going to serve. Obviously, you know yeah, the net partner just has to say where they're going, and then you go the other the other side, the other you know section of the court where they're not going to be, and then um, you go from there. So, you know, for example, we're both in the middle. My partner says serve to the backhand, and he's going left. So then I go right. And then in that way, you cause maximum confusion because, you know, you're both starting in the middle of the court and then your returner has no idea where the net player is going to go and where you're going to go, especially if you time your movements correctly and you don't give away, give it away too early. Um, So those are fantastic formations that you should definitely try out and just don't be afraid of it. You know, don't be afraid of, you know, messing it up or whatever, or just keep practicing it. And also obviously practice it in your doubles matches. These are really, really helpful plays. They have made the difference over and over again. I can remember countless times where 
uh, you know, my partner and I have just played regular formations, got broken or we're down uh, 1540 and all of a sudden, hey, let's try these formations and then boom, you know, we get a couple errors, we pick, pick them off a couple times and we've won the game. Whereas if we just kept it going the same way, then our opponents, you know, keep with their rhythm and we get, you know, we lose, we get broken and so forth. So um, these are huge different makers. I'm telling you, strategy is everything. And then the fifth most common flaw of 3-0 to 4-5 players and maybe some 5-0 players as well, um, but is that they play too tentatively. And this is a huge thing that I've had to work on in doubles because I, you know, I have been brought up as a singles player baseline grinder. I mean, obviously I look for opportunities on the forehand, but um, especially um, when I was younger, I would just try to get as many balls back in play. And sometimes I would fall into the trap of, you know, just leaning too far back and being defensive. The problem is that in doubles, if you allow the opponents to take control of the rallies, then you're going to be in big trouble unless they're really inconsistent. And the thing is, I've always found that when I'm on the back foot and I'm backing up on my ground strokes, instead of taking time away from my opponents, I usually end up losing because then all of a sudden you kind of lose confidence and then your opponents are going to be able to swarm the shots that you're hitting because all of a sudden you're, you're giving them more time. And they're, yes, they're, they're, they're getting more time, A, because your shots are more tentative and slower. I'm not saying that you have to just smash every shot, but you know, at least, uh, I mean, I, I, what I've been working on is shortening my backswing and keeping my weight at least neutral or moving forward and then not backing up too much in uh, when I play doubles especially. And this has helped me be more offensive and take control of the rallies. Um, it's really helped a lot because I remember distinctively in a couple matches where I was starting to give ground to my opponent and then I reminded myself to, you know, like I said, be more offensive-minded, um, hang out around the baseline more, and then, you know, all of a sudden... I'm the one on the offense and then, you know, I'm the one in control of, of the cross-court rallies and then uh, my my par- net partner is the one who can pick off the shots instead of the other way around. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I suggest. I mean, just try to play aggressively, have a game plan and um, don't, be, don't be tentative. Just go for it and be aggressive, take initiative in the rallies and impose your strengths on your opponents. Well, I hope that you enjoy these five most common mistakes that 3 out of 4 5 doubles players make. Uh, just to recap them, uh, is that they have weak backhand volleys, is that they give away tells by, you know, having these same patterns over and over, calling the backhand, then forehand, then body, or some combination of that every single time, so you can pick up on that. Um, three is that they're unable to handle dippers uh, on their volleys. Number four is that they don't incorporate enough poaching, I-formation, Australian, and fake poach. And five is that they play too tentatively. So yes, uh, definitely think about these um, when you're playing your doubles matches and try to focus on at least one of them. You know, one for now, I think that's good until you uh, it becomes automatic that you're you're targeting this or at least considering it when you're playing yeah that's that's it for uh, this episode but um i do want to also remind you that again the tennis summit is coming up on april 18th it's going to be amazing uh we're going to have so many great coaches like 
uh, Rick Macy once again. Uh, you probably saw him in King Richard, if you, uh, or at least you know the the actor who played him. So he's a you know one of a kind. And then Paul Anacone, uh, you know he's he's coaching Taylor Fritz uh, alongside Michael Russell and his team, um, the rest of Taylor's team. And as you know, Taylor just won Indian Wells and is, uh, as of the date of this recording, still doing well in the Miami Open. We've got so many great coaches. You know, every single online tennis coach you can think of, we've got, you know, Ian Westerman, Will Hamilton, Greg Lesser, Peter Freeman, Brady Height, Jorge Capistani. I mean, I've got like 40 of these folks, so um, I can't name them all. You probably turn the podcast off before I finish, um, maybe. But anyways... You can see more. You can get all that information if you just join my newsletter um, where you get you know tips emailed to you and other great content. Just go to TennisFiles.com and sign up there or check out TennisFilesSummit.com starting April 1st or after and you will see registration open for this year's summit. All right. And with that, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review um, in your podcast app of choice, you know, whether that's Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app, there'll be a review button there and just go ahead and do that would be really appreciated and would help the show. And then I would like to leave you with a quote as I often like to do at the end of the show. And this one is by Anonymous actually, but the quote is, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. I love this quote. Um, Very, very true. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening. I'm going to go straight into working on the summit prep. There's a lot of stuff involved. You know, if you've ever uh, organized a conference, which probably is not too many of you, uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So anyways, have a great one. We'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast and hopefully on Tennis Summit 2022 starting on April 18th. And I will see you next time. Take care, play a lot of tennis, and keep improving your tennis game. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.